Hello, welcome to the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset Podcast, where it is all about helping amazing physicians just like you create a wealthy life free from burnout and with the financial security to practice medicine on your own terms. I'm your host, Dr. Elisa Zhang. Hello, and welcome back to the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset Podcast. Today, I'm going to cover different classes of investors and the rules and regulations associated with them. I'm going to start with talking about the accredited investor. Many physicians qualify as accredited investors, which allows us access to investment opportunities that aren't otherwise available to the general public. So what kind of investment opportunities am I talking about? Well, this includes private equity, venture capital investments, real estate syndications, and hedge funds, to name a few. These type of investments typically require a higher minimum investment than publicly traded stocks or mutual funds and are considered to be riskier, but they also have the potential for higher returns. Private equity and venture capital investments involve investing in private companies that aren't publicly traded. Think about companies before they get big enough to actually become publicly traded. At some point, they were smaller companies, but they may need investment money in order to grow to be big enough to be a publicly traded company. These type of investments can be high risk, but they also have potential for high returns if the company is successful. So while many companies do go out of business or don't ever grow to the point where you might get substantial income from being an owner in the company, there are some that become wildly successful and eventually you can get bought out as another bigger company acquires the company or maybe the company even does IPO and then gets traded on the general stock market. Real estate syndications involves pooling funds from multiple investors to purchase and manage a real estate property. This can be all types of real estate properties, but typically it's going to be those larger real estate properties. Like if you think about large apartment complexes, commercial buildings, big shopping centers, shopping malls, or even some industrial type real estate. Hedge funds are investment funds that use complex strategies such as short selling, options trading, and leverage to generate returns. So how does one qualify to be an accredited investor? Well, let's start with defining the term accredited investor. In the United States, an accredited investor is an individual or entity with a certain level of net worth or income as defined by the Securities and Exchange Commission, or the SEC. The SEC established this classification to allow certain investors to participate in certain types of private investment offerings that were typically only available to institutions or really wealthy individuals. The current definition of an accredited investor is an individual with a net worth of at least $1 million, excluding their primary residence, or an income of at least $200,000 for the past two years, with reasonable expectations of the same income level in the current year. A married couple can qualify if they have a combined income of at least $300,000 for the past two years, with a reasonable expectation of that same income level during the current year. Entities can also be considered accredited investors if they have at least $5 million in assets or are considered a qualified institutional buyer. The concept of accredited investors dates back to the Securities Act of 1933, which is also called the Truth and Securities Law. And this was enacted in the aftermath of the stock market crash of 1929. The Securities Act aimed to restore confidence in the financial markets by requiring companies to disclose relevant financial information to potential investors. However, the act also restricted the sale of certain securities to the general public, including private investment offerings. 
the SEC did recognize that there were sophisticated investors that had knowledge and resources to evaluate these private offerings, even without the same level of disclosure required for publicly traded securities. As a result, the SEC established an accredited investor classification in 1982, which allowed certain wealthy individuals and institutions to participate in these private offerings. Basically, the SEC wants to protect the average American from getting into an investment that they don't understand and where losing all the money in that investment would significantly impact their life negatively. The way the SEC has tried to make investments, quote, safer is by maintaining transparency and trying to ensure fair dealing for all investors. So any investment that's available to everyone, like publicly traded stocks, has to go through a rigorous process of financial reporting and following specific rules. This includes providing accurate and timely financial information to investors, disclosing conflicts of interest, complying with insider trading laws and regulations, and maintaining proper internal controls over financial reporting, including third-party accounting. These requirements are somewhat costly to implement and would preclude many companies from being able to raise investment funds. The idea behind an credit investor and other investor categories is that if you're financially knowledgeable to vet investments or rich enough to be able to lose the money that you've invested, then you can go ahead and invest in these specific offerings. These investments still must provide a certain level of information to investors, but it's a much easier hurdle to overcome. Of course, there are disadvantages to the lower disclosure and reporting requirements to the investor, but the advantages to the company is that it's a lot less work and costs a lot less money to put together an investment that's only offered to accredited investors. This allows the investment to move faster and have a lower cost, which can potentially be passed on to the investor in the form of higher return. These investments are also frequently called Reg D investments, short for Regulation D, and it's specifically attributed to Rule 506C of Regulation D. In 2012, the Jumpstart Our Business Startups, or JOBS Act, was signed to law, which made several changes to the rules surrounding advertising and investment offerings to accredited investors in the United States. Prior to the JOBS Act, companies were prohibited from advertising or publicly soliciting investments from potential investors unless investors were considered accredited investors under the SEC rules. Because companies were really worried about breaking this rule, they really didn't do much advertising, so then it becomes hard for people to actually find out about these investment offerings. The JOBS Act eliminated the ban on general solicitation. Under the new rules, companies are now able to publicly advertise their investment opportunities to accredited investors, so long as they take reasonable steps to verify that the investors are in fact accredited. It also enhanced reporting requirements. Companies that engage in the general solicitation must now file Form D with the SEC no later than 15 days before the first general solicitation occurs and must file an amended Form D within 30 days of the closure of the offering. The pre-2012 rule is currently called the Rule 506B, which has one advantage over the 506C, which is that up to 35 non-incredited investors can be included, but there is a disadvantage that they can't actually advertise the offering. If you're not an credit investor, but still want to invest in these private offerings, then it is possible to do so through the Regulation D 506B offering. To qualify for this type of investment, the investor must have a pre-existing substantial relationship with the sponsor of the offering. 
though the SEC doesn't actually provide specific guidance on what a substantive relationship is. If it is of interest to you, start developing relationships with investors in this space. There are now many physicians who've actually gotten into real estate investing such that they have become general partners in syndications and may be able to have you join an investment offering through Reg D 506B. Over the years, the definition of an accredited investor has been updated to reflect changing economic conditions and investment practices. In 2016, the SEC expanded the definition to include individuals with certain professional certifications or designations, such as a Series 7, Series 65, or Series 82 license. If you start looking at these kind of private offerings and investments, you may find some that require you to be a qualified client or a qualified purchaser. Two acts were passed in the 1940s, the Investment Advisors Act and the Investment Company Act, which created these two different terms. The Investment Advisors Act of 1940 was designated to regulate investment advisors who manage assets for clients. The act requires investment advisors to register with the SEC or state security regulators, depending on the size of their assets under management. The act also established certain standards of contact for investment advisors, including a fiduciary duty to act in the best interests of their clients. The purpose of the Investment Advisors Act was to protect investors by ensuring that the investment advisors are properly registered and subject to regulatory oversight. The act also requires investment advisors to disclose certain information to their clients, such as fees and conflicts of interest. This act defined the qualified client as the classification used by investment advisors to determine whether certain clients are eligible to participate in certain types of investment opportunities that may be riskier or require a higher level of financial sophistication. The current definition of a qualified client includes individuals with at least $1 million in assets under management with an investment advisor or a net worth of at least $2.1 million, not including their primary residence. Entities with at least $5 million in assets under management with an investment advisor or a net worth of at least $5 million also qualify as qualified clients. The Investment Company Act of 1940 was designed to regulate investment companies, such as mutual funds and exchange-traded funds. The act requires investment companies to register with the SEC and comply with certain regulations, which include restrictions on leverage and requirements for transparency and disclosure. The purpose of the Investment Company Act was to protect investors by ensuring that investment companies operate in a transparent and fair manner. The act also establishes certain restrictions on the operations of investment companies, such as limits on the use of leverage and requirements of diversification. The concept of qualified purchasers dates back to the amendments of the Investment Company Act. The current definition of a qualified purchaser includes individuals with at least $5 million in investments, entities with at least $25 million in investments, and certain family offices and trusts. This definition also includes individuals who own at least $25 million in investments, directly or indirectly, through a family-owned company or trust. I know that this was a heavy episode with a lot of information. The main point is that most physicians will qualify as an accredited investor based on our higher incomes. This opens up the opportunity to a lot more investments, which can have higher returns. However, it's really important to spend the time on increasing your education and your ability to vet such investments and only invest money that you can afford to lose. 
you want to have sufficient knowledge and ideally experience in financial and business matters to evaluate the risk and merits of the investment. You also want to spend time getting to know who you're investing with and their knowledge and experience. You can think about having a great real estate investment when you're actually looking at the numbers, but if the execution is poor, then you can still lose money on what looks like a great investment. If you're interested in investing in real estate syndications, which is one of the popular type of investments that requires accredited investor status, then I really recommend the book, The Hands-Off Investor by Brian Burke. Books are a great way to start gaining more knowledge. You're not going to beat the bang for your buck with buying a book. However, I will say that The Hands-Off Investor is a dense book, just like this podcast episode was rather dense as well. There are also courses available to help you learn more about how to vet and really analyze all the information in order to choose what might be a good syndication or a private offering to invest in. Seeking out a mentor or guide can also be helpful. Talk to others who are doing what you want to do. I also really recommend thinking about your risk tolerance as well as your financial goals, including your time horizon before getting in these kinds of investments. You really don't just want to chase high returns or what they report as high returns because numbers can really be manipulated. There are also a lot of different ways that these private offerings will date what their projected returns to be, terms like IRR, return on investment, equity multiple, cash on cash. So there are many ways the return investment is calculated and it's important to know the difference between each of these and what fits right for you. And remember, even if you qualify as an accredited investor, it doesn't mean that you have to actually get into these private offering type of investments. That being said, if you have a lot of money invested in the stock market and you really want to get away from adding more stocks and bonds to your portfolio and aren't really interested in active real estate investing, then you may really want to consider these private offerings. If you're a person who has enough invested in stocks and bonds and your retirement accounts, but really wants to look at some of your non-retirement account investing and look at all the different ways of investing, whether you're thinking about maybe doing active real estate investing versus investing in these type of private offers, but you really have no clue where to start, that is something I do help clients with. If that's of any interest to you, then book a discovery call with me on my website, growyourwealthymindset.com. That discovery call is totally free and we can talk about your goals and talk about what it'd be like to work together and whether it's a good fit. As always, thanks so much for listening to the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could share it with your friends and colleagues. And now for the disclaimer. I am not a certified financial planner, accountant, or attorney, and nothing I say should be construed as professional investment, tax, or legal advice. This show is primarily for your education and entertainment. I am a physician, but I'm probably not your physician. So if you need any medical advice, please contact your own physician. Thank you.